You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Luis Farfan. Thank you very much. Did I say that right? Every time I see somebody's name, I feel like I really mess it up. Uh, yeah, you said it correct. I just add a little Hispanic Hispanic taste to it. The Farfan, roll the R. <laughs> farfan, Farfan. There there well, you go. <laughs> well, well, Luis, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and if you want what you do professionally. Yeah, so um, in college, I got my bachelor's in uh, criminology and justice studies. So that was kind of my focus in college and thinking I was going to go towards law enforcement. And uh, being in college, the school that I got educated by, they kind of teach really from a sociological aspect, the criminology and justice studies. So I became really aware of how the world works, all the inequality is broken down for you, the kind of corruption behind every industry. So that's what kind of fueled my passion towards outreach work instead of going into law enforcement. And uh, I became really passionate of helping the youth just because if you catch them early, you can kind of guide them in the right path versus the individuals that are a little bit older they have to kind of reintegrate back into society and whatnot. So it's a lot harder. So I kind of focused more on youth coming out of college. I uh, played a little bit of pro soccer. Um, so I started up a soccer academy for elite athletes, kind of trying to guide them in that professional direction for the past seven years. And uh, that was kind of my full-time gig, uh, self-employed. So really focused on that. On the side, I would uh, help. You, you mentioned something very important there I want to talk about because um, I'm pretty interested in it as well. I think just from podcasting with so many people, I've learned to be more observant and kind of see how the world starts to work out. You start on realizing that as a system and a society, we're functioning in a completely wrong way. Um, and I think what you're talking about with dealing with younger ages. I mean, I wanted to do social work for the longest time and I ended up stopped doing it because it's very, very hard to get into that part of the industry uh, without, you know, going through years and years of schooling. And I feel like being a voice through something like a podcast or something makes a little bit more sense for just random kids to stumble across because every guidance counselor I've ever had, any person that you're ever supposed to look to as a role model besides your parents or something, really doesn't give you the light of day when it comes to the individual attention that's really needed. And I think it comes from a place of, to be a social worker, to be a guidance counselor, to be a teacher is a very, very hard thing. And it's something that a degree cannot teach you to have that sense of compassion and caring for another person's life or just insight into somebody else's experience. And I think the way that the world has been working, I mean, for so long, it you've back in the day, at least when I was a kid, I mean, we're not that much uh, different in age, but it was 
parents were together, you never heard of anybody's parents being separated. And if they were, you were like, whoa, like that's a damaged person. Now you're looking at parents that are separated being the norm and kids are coming out with a little bit more trauma. And I think the world shifted and I'm trying to figure out what you probably might have some insight in maybe through your own observations. Why do you think that is? Do you think that's just the way that we've gone as a society? We've lost the value of family. It seems like family dinners don't really happen. Yeah, I actually, being a Hispanic, I give a lot of credit to the Hispanic community down in like Mexico, their roots, just from their culture, they, I believe poverty brings you closer as a culture because you have a small home, you all kind of socialize constantly because you're so close to each other constantly. And that's what I think about the U.S. It's like, it's so fast paced as a community that people are just getting disconnected. You know, it's too focused on work. It's too focused on all the ulterior things going on. People are too caught up on having to take care of their families and work harder the way our economy is. So they don't really get to enjoy the, the beauty in life, which should be spending time with your family, you know, doing the things that you really love. And people are working 40 hours when I don't, I personally don't think people should be working 40 hours. That's just a little too much on the body, on the mind. And of course it depends the industry you're in, uh, how much mental power you're using, how much physical power. But at the end of the day, I know a lot of people get home from work and they're tired. They don't even want to like really socialize. They're like, I just want to rest, you know? And well, that, I, we, we always talk about there's those days people see, I, I have a problem when it comes to self-help and the way I have a problem with it is when people come and they're like, today's my day of relaxation. I want to be left alone. I don't want anybody talking to me. I had a long week at work. I'm like, you want to need those self-recuperation days if the day of life, I guess, that you're experiencing at work and everything wasn't so damn stressful. Every day we're walking out into the world being attacked with all these negative energies and influences and not to get all hippy dippy, but it's all the fact of we're as a society right now, the way we're running, and I think COVID completely showed everybody that we're running on faulty foundations. And I think the best way to fix this is by starting a new foundation with all these businesses and people that have lost so much and what's going on with the tension in the world right now where we're seeing riots it's not only a matter of race it's also a matter of this is anarchy this is yeah, this is I when agree. yeah this is when people start realizing that holy shit we're not as free as we want to be i mean government told us all to stay home and not go to work and for the first time in recorded history we did that we listened to something because we thought that they weren't knew what's right. And then I see people now talking about like people looking at them for doing something, going out without a mask or going with a mask and looking at them different. And it's, it's citing us. And I'm like, before it was, there was a whole entire, oh, politics. Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Now it's like, are you wearing a face mask or are you not wearing a face mask? And it's like the way we're going right now, there needs to be a fix. I think younger ages are going to be experiencing things that we're never going to know, like what it's like to sneeze with a mask on. (laughs) Uh, But I think it's important we focus on that because I took psychology for so long. And when I was learning a lot about environmental influences and how people grow up and turn out to be, 
it's yeah. caused me to understand people differently, like how to talk to people, how to do that. I mean, we yeah. know from our little bit of a, a, a start, when you message me, how do I get on the podcast? I'm like, is that how you <laughs> ask? But I get it because it's about getting to a point. But I think as, yeah. a, as a person and as people, we're rushing so much through fucking life that we're not enjoying it. And it sucks. Exactly. And for me and you being at our age group of tw in our 20s, us saying this to somebody that's not younger than us gets going in one ear and out the other. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I just kind of can relate with a lot is you said that we rush through life. And um, so I just recently went through a breakup myself. I would moved out to Colorado. My ex was becoming a physician's assistant. So she was in a two-year physician's assistant program. And um, she was just really, really focused on that. You know, she's very goal-driven. And uh, the security that that uh, position, that career brings. And uh, I'm an entrepreneur myself, so I put things together. I'm, I started my soccer academy. I run a dog breeding program. And uh, I started those to feed into my goals of nonprofits. I plan to start a couple nonprofits, one in ho homeless advocation, so helping the homeless, another one in undocumented assistance. And uh, I love reintegration out of jail. Um, so those are kind of three focus areas I have for the future. But being in that relationship, I realize we're so focused at our age. We're so a lot of people, they're focused on the future. Like, oh, we're trying to get our lives together. We're trying to establish our careers that you, you can't, it doesn't let you really live in the present. So after this breakup, what I'm learning is, I'm really focused on really trying to just enjoy the present, not focus too much on the future. I know my goals, but not really focus too much on the past. Try not to think about it too much and just really enjoy every present moment and try to just be present. And that's kind of what I, what I got related with from what you said is we're just moving too quick. We don't get to enjoy the, the beautiful things that are really around us. I mean, and that's what we don't, we don't, we don't stop and smell the roses and it's, yeah. I think with everybody, um, you saw this huge spark of people that were starting their own businesses during these three months of just being off and away from work. Yeah. And I think this was because of the factor of we realized, holy shit, we've been working 30 years for a company to do what? And we have nothing for ourselves. They have unleft things on the table. And this is where I talk about therapy for people is trying to find that self-realization. But it's more about finding that relaxation time, not only to recuperate from the week, but focus on what do you want to do with your life? I mean, I don't know what I want to do. I'm in, I'm 22 years old, still have no fucking clue. But I think it's about finding it sooner rather than finding it later. Hopefully, you know, it comes down the road. And I know people that are, my grandfather didn't know what he wanted to do until he was 72. I mean, the, the, the way the system works is work, 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 work until you die. And I feel like nowadays, like that's not going to be a very, um, I would say, happy world to live in when kids figure that out. I mean, we're seeing kids now with anxiety and depression because bullying and all these things. And I, I think bullying's needed at um, times. I just think the way that it's gone now where it just doesn't leave you alone, it doesn't just happen at school, is, is, is freaking terrible. 
But I mean, somebody like yourself that's going through and, you know, trying to start nonprofit organizations, what made you come to the conclusion of, first of all, working with the homeless and then dealing with um, uh, people that are coming out of jail? So my history growing up, I kind of got into some bad things. And um, that's one of my motives. I never kind of got caught for anything bad that I did. And that's one of my biggest motives. I'm very thankful for that. So I understand that a lot of my friends did end up behind bars, did end up in negative situations that affected their life greatly. And that's one of my biggest passions. I always, I, I live up by a philosophy, help others. That's my main thing in life. And I just truly love to help people. And that's one of my main motives is like, I understand now being a little older, when you're young, you don't think about choices and consequences. You just kind of act and you just see the benefits of what you're doing. So that's one of my biggest motives for helping reintegrate people out of jail. And more on the kind of guiding them in the right direction before they get to that point. So for example, I was working for the Boys and Girls Club for about a year and a couple months uh, before I moved out to Colorado with my ex recently. And that was one of the happiest times in my life, bro, just because I was making a direct impact in the community. I was directly giving resources to the homeless. Even on my own time, I'd go out and kind of do a little bit of my own research and kind of understand the dynamics of what's going on in that community with the homeless. And I had all the resources through the Boys and Girls Club to really provide to them. Like we get tons of food that's extra. I could take out to them constantly. I was just watching a movie uh, two days ago and it said, uh, it's like a homeless guy asks this guy and he tells him, um, hey, why?" he brings them two plates of food and he tells them, what do you think you're doing with this giving me food? And uh, why do you do it? And the guy just tells him, well, to help, obviously. And uh, he tells him, to be honest, the the homeless situation doesn't change tomorrow. He doesn't wake up not homeless because you're giving him food. You're just giving him the thought that he knows you see him. So they just kind of want to be cared for. They want to be, everyone isolates them, ignores them, you know. So they just want human connection. And uh, that's really what I what I try to do is really help them cope, um, kind of like a psychological aspect, and just really let them talk, like get their feelings out, and that helps me understand how to help them more. And um, as far as the youth, I kind of explained that, like my motives for that is just I got into some bad things before, so I really am passionate of not letting them get to that point where one mistake can ruin your whole life and affect your whole future. And I'm just really thankful for that, that I got educated and education is what really shifted my mindset. It's like, Whoa, this is how the world works. Like that's, that's good to know. And then it just totally shifted my mindset. I was on a path to personal growth. Well, you know, what really kind of gets me is the fact is like what you're talking about with the homeless community, I can see where that person's perspective is, is like, oh, you're giving them a handout and then that'll, that'll lead to them wanting more handouts and thinking that it's always going to be provided to them. But I look at it like, I mean, my cousin said it best that homeless people are expert minimalists. Um, If you go to, if you go to Hawaii, 
Uh, those types of places, people choose to be homeless because the weather's so freaking nice. But for a lot of people, it's a rough choice or a decision that was made for them. I know people that have been homeless and gotten arrested just to have a place to live, just to have a place to sleep and have a warm meal given to them. You know, life doesn't work out for everyone. And this is where I think the biggest problem stems in our society is that people that have answers, people that have money, people that have motivational tips or tools or gifts or talks or conversations that can give to somebody else that could benefit somebody else's life, it's all sold for a fucking price. Everything is $4.99 for this TED Talk or $6.99 for this book of motivation or buy this on Amazon, number one bestseller. Well, every fucking book's a number one bestseller. I made it a thing when I started this that I would never have a Patreon. I would never have anything for somebody to submit money to because con my content will always be free on the aspect of I sh you shouldn't have to pay just to hear a conversation. You have to pay to hear things that might end up changing your life or affecting you. I feel like life's already too full of payments. And I think that's the biggest problem in society. We could talk about fixing homeless populations um, easily, ending starvation by, you know how much food get tossed out on the day of its expiration date that can easily be donated to a food kitchen or something? I guarantee you it lasts a couple of weeks after the package, but they'll throw it in the dumpster, then watch you jump in and fish after it. I think that there should be a paper they should sign. Um, I spoke to a famous comedian, Steve Cantwell, who took salvia, and he spent eight years in a drug trip and he was only gone 45 seconds in real time. This drug switches up your uh, perception of time and everything. You basically live another existence like you're in a dream. And I think that's a good way to give that to inmates that are on death row, making them look back into their life and finding a reasonable way of living, such as looking inside yourself and finding clarity of what you are and who you want to be. I think psychedelics are perfect for that. I mean, there's so many things we could be doing, but in the eyes of society, it's deemed wrong because we've been living this life that weed's bad, all these other types of things are bad. And I'm like, it's not true. There's a lot of things that could be definitely different in the way the world is working. And I'm hoping in the next five or 10 years that we start seeing some change. I mean, besides how do you want to conceptualize your idea of making th these things a reality besides doing them? Like what, how do, how do you want to make a bigger impact? So really my take on making a bigger impact five years ago, I set out on a goal and I started my dog breeding programs, seeing the amount of return on investment these breeders were making. And that motivated me. I said, okay, Okay, this is the industry. I had one of my good friends in the business making some good money already. And I said, okay, a lot of people don't start a side business, don't start a side hustle. And they kind of just, like you said, they're stuck in that work environment. So coming out of college, I started that. I used actually, I got a scholarship for soccer. And the, the last 2,500 I had left from that scholarship, I invested with one of my buddies into a really high-priced dog, really quality foundational female. And that's where I started my dog breeding program. And five years later now, we're doing pretty well. But I'll tell you, it really takes time to generate something good, you know. So it's, it's that five year we're breaking out of now and we're really starting to get out of that startup stage. We have a lot more litters coming now. 
So I believe this year I'm going to be able to make a bigger impact. And that's how it's been for me. It's like, just save your profits, save your profits, reinvest, reinvest to grow your business a lot quicker so that you can get to making that major impact a lot quicker. And that's kind of where I'm at. That's my way of making a bigger impact. It's like the more I dial in all the dynamics with my dog breeding business and really establish myself, the more potential I have for that return on investment. And all that's just going to go feed into my nonprofit of helping the homeless, helping the youth. And uh, I got really good experience working with the Boys and Girls Club. I would do uh, at-risk mentoring. It was uh, in Oceanside, California. So there's a big gang population there. A lot of the kids, I worked in a middle school. So I ran a mentoring program there. And uh, really what I noticed through the mentoring program, all these at-risk kids, they're having trouble with their grades. They don't want to do their homework. Uh, they're just all influencing each other. And uh, that right there motivated me like no other. I'm just speaking with them, letting them speak their hearts, seeing why. And the majority of those kids, it's because they don't have a father figure. It goes back to the whole divorce rates that you were talking about earlier. It's like they just want their parents to love them. They just really want to feel cared for. And a lot of them don't have that. So they fall into other pathways, negative pathways in life, looking for that care, which is gangs try to offer that. They try to act like they're a family, you know hey, we got you, we're going to look out for you, this and that, come join our family. And they want to feel a part of something. So I have many, many motives, but that's the main thing, my dog breeding business and uh, generating profits to really be able to disperse and really make something out of these nonprofits that I want to start. Have you thought about incorporating your dog breeding business into maybe using the animals as a type of emotional support? I feel like for people that don't have parents or people that don't have maybe a stern figure at home, having an animal or something that can look to to bond to to having a close friend, um, it's that isolation factor we all experience. I mean, for instance, like both my parents worked two jobs, so I was a lot of spent a lot of my time alone. But you know, a pet was always good there. You know, uh, it's a lot of self-critical thinking, obviously. But we're talking about the divorce rates being so high. Um, a lot of it is you're as a kid, you're searching for a role model, for a father figure, for a mother yeah, figure, for something, yeah. yeah, to give you your advice, to give you your guidance. And sometimes you come across a random stranger who decides to re, uh, reach out and help you. Sometimes you come across somebody or an older sibling you have that can help you out a little bit. But a lot of the times now I look in society, people being upset over nothing and people taking out a lot of their emotional problems and stuff. For instance, we live in a society that you benefit from stepping on the throat of your friend. You benefit from stepping on the throat of your coworker just to get to the top. And I don't think that's a way of surviving. I think we should all work ourselves up at the same time and help each other go to the top. Um, I had a recent altercation where uh, this dude um, was just really rushing, trying to get something done with a podcast. And I was telling him, I was like, you need to slow down. Like, you know, this is all about having fun. This is all about a thing. And he immediately blocked me and started snapping on social media. And then as I'm listening to him basically talk trash for about a half hour, um, about 45 minutes in, he starts going, I've just had so much going on in my life. I've had this all happen. I've had this. I'm trying to get to the top. And I'm like, I get it. 
you're at an older age, you're in your thirties, you know, whatever, you don't feel like you've gone anywhere in life and you got some problems. And he was explaining all this on the thing. And I was like, I get that, but it's life's a fucking journey, dude. And it's a hard one at that. And I feel like for as people that he had to get to that point to express the people on social media, just how upset he was with whatever was the factor of we're not talking to people anymore. We're not having conversations that are real and intimate like this one. We're not having stuff where we can explain our feelings and our justifications and stuff. And I believe that's what causes people to be upset, do hard, I guess, harsh actions when it comes to doing a crime or going to jail. I mean, opioid addiction in my area is one of the biggest things. I had a dream one day of when I was I think it was like a year and a half ago of starting a retreat to help these people like a halfway home or you get to get some food, get some money, get a place to stay. But you, after six months, you have to have an income. You have to be able to work. You have to be able to do all these things to benefit yourself and start a life because you can't just be handed everything. I mean, the option is we want to always be safe. Well, why should we aspire to be safe? Why don't we aspire to be more? Yeah. I totally agree with the, how you said not enough real conversations happen. That's my one of my main things in life is I'm always that real friend, you know, that honest person. I'll shoot it straight how it is. If I see you kind of fall and slacking in some areas, I'll tell you. And a lot of people can't take that crit- criticism, which doesn't allow them to personally grow. And those that can take the criticism, they jump levels because they self-reflect on that feedback you're giving them and they understand it's like, well, maybe he has a point, you know, and they step back from their life a little bit and they know how to analyze themselves and self-reflect and say, okay, maybe I need to adjust this, adjust that, and I'll kind of go back on the right path. And uh, another thing in my my upbringing, a lot of friends are kind of jealous of like, if you're doing something good, they're a little jealous because they're not there yet, you know? And that's a big thing I see in society is everyone's trying to compete against each other when one of my biggest uh, quotes I always say is, we don't compete, we all eat. And that's kind of the same thing you just covered. It's like, we don't compete. It's almost like the government, the rich, they're kind of at the top, you know, they're trying to socially control all of us. So we have to come together and help each other rise up together. And it's really the awareness of what's going on. I didn't really understand that until I got to college. And really, they broke down all the inequality, the ways all these institutions are run from the top down from a macro level to a micro level. And when I really understood that, it was game game on for me. It's like, all right, I'm going to help the world. I'm going to try to put out all this awareness. And I see that with a lot of people our age that are getting out of college. They're so inspired, so motivated. And um, it's interesting, this will kind of sector into an interesting story about me, how you said, uh, am I thinking about starting a service uh, kind of section for my dogs? I have thought about that multiple times, just kind of waiting to pick the right area to indulge in to start providing service, whether it be youth, whether it be veterans with PTSD, things like that. And um, the story that I'll share is this fast-paced economy that we live in and social media. Nobody kind of has a grip on it yet because it's still so new. 
and uh, some people do. They've developed their methods. It's working for them, generating them good income. But like you said, it's, it shouldn't be about the income. It should be about more like this podcast. You're providing it free. There's a lot of people gaining positive things out of this that they don't hear it anywhere else. So they come here and they're like, whoa, that makes sense. That can help me in my life, you know? And I know that's what's helped me a lot is listening to a lot of people, wealthy people, a lot of successful people's podcasts and incorporating that into my life. So going to my story, um, I was working a day job out of college. My first like real 40 hours a week job out of college. I would wake up at about... 4:45 in the morning commute about 45 minutes to San Clemente from Oceanside and I was working at a warehouse um, doing inventory a little bit of statistics for them just kind of different things I actually told the CEO because I was uh, starting up my dog business starting up my personal academy and I told him hey I want to work in every department so that I can learn how to really run a business and he kind of respected that and he would let me help in all the different areas. And I really liked that. I was learning a lot, but they were paying me a very minimal wage because I was just out of college. And really, I was six months when I really got that job, I was six months before I was going to graduate. So I didn't have my bachelor's yet. So they didn't really respect that aspect. And they paid me a very minimal wage. And I, I didn't have any experience in the workforce on how to kind of stand up for yourself and know your value that you're providing. So I'm just a natural hard worker. Uh, sports, being a top player in soccer, it really builds your mindset from all the mentors, all the coaches. You have just a really hard working ethic. And that transition into that first job that I had and I, after a year, I had a random seizure. And uh, just to kind of explain what I was going through, I was working that day job 40 hours a week. I would get out at 2.30. I would go straight from there, maybe stop by my house 10 minutes to eat a quick meal before I go coach. And uh, I was doing one-on-one -on -one private lessons with these athletes for two to three hours after work. So I'd get done around six, seven, then I'd go home and I'd manage my dog breeding business, all the management behind that. And I was caught up on the whole personal growth, but the all the things that people are putting out right now, like the entrepreneurs, like, oh, you got to stay hungry. You got to stay up till two, three in the morning grinding. Like you can't sleep if you want to be a successful entrepreneur. I got really, really caught up in that. And me being so big on wellness, being a coach, I didn't realize like, hey man, you're you're not eating right anymore. You're not sleeping right. You're just super stressed now because you don't have any time to relax. And I had that seizure randomly and I was like, what's going on? You know, I thought I was really healthy and this and that. So that was a big crossroads in my life going through that experience. And uh, thankfully, I haven't had any seizures the past two and a half years it's been since then but that was a wake-up call in my life a big changing moment where I said oh my god like this is going on where they're putting out all this like you know the lion like you got to be a lion you got to be a top entrepreneur not sleep you got to keep working outwork your opponent and this is going on for a lot of people where you lose the balance it's like 
okay, how far can you go in this lifestyle before you have a seizure, before you have health issues? Well, it's, and- the, it's the example of Atlas. When I was a kid, I used to um, be really, obs- I'm still obsessed with kind of ancient mythology and Greek mythology, all these folklores and tales. And the Atlas, the guy that's holding up the weight of the world, that is a thing I understood when I became older, when it's going to sound ridiculous, but my buddy as a joke went to go give me like a, one of those back massages, like, you know, press your fingers into the back of your shoulder blades. Yeah. And he did it. And I swear to God, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, he was like, what? I was like, that felt so good. He's like, your back is really tense. And you start to realize why people go to these massage therapies and all these places for relief because you're carrying an immense amount of problems and stress and everything in your body and your mind. And I think that life, your whole, I guess, soul and everything is like a uh, window pane. There's a little bit of what I call stress fractures in that glass, those little tiny cracks that start to develop. And you're putting a bandaid over it when you go home and go to sleep and wait till the next day, like I'll sleep through this day or something it's not going away. It's not getting fixed. And it all stems from the way we're in a competition world. Everything is you got to bust your ass off 24 seven, not take any freaking breaks. And when you do get a break, enjoy the shit out of it. Cause it's not going to come back around again for a long time. You hear so many motivational things that are like, stop being a piece of shit. You're worthless. You're this, you're that have this. I'm like, Let's start making them more relatable. Like I went through a hard experience. I've heard people that do TED Talks talking about suicide attempts and talk about all these things that are coming from a dark place and coming from a positive mindset. It's not about being better. It's not about being successful. It's about being human and showing that side of you that relates you to other people. When somebody hears a stupid story you've told or a rough gone through that you've gone. I mean, one of the famous uh, comedians out there uh tim dylan for instance i don't know if you've ever heard of him he does a lot of he does a lot of crazy stuff when it comes to politics and very very funny outlandish comic but um you know when he does his podcast he talk about um you know how the world's working and how all these uh the government's so completely screwed over and hillary clinton all these types of things but the way he talks about is he used to do crack he used to do all these things he used to bring a dirty carpet as a blanket to pull up over himself to go to sleep you know and he talks about these experiences and he really cares for people it's where his no self-help thing came from that i thought that i was saying um it it has it has weight to it. It means something when you hear coming from him because he's not trying to be better. He's not trying to sell you some Gary V book. He's trying to show you the point is that we all go through shit. You're not you're not not going through shit. At any point in your life, you're always going through something. There's always a problem. How severe is your problem compared to somebody else's is something. But let's stop comparing and start relating. Let's find the equal stuff that makes us uh, people, you know? I mean, we have probably more in common with the homeless person than we do with a rich person, only because of the fact is we know what it's like to want things. We know what it's like not to have something, but we can try and relate closest to the guy with the million cars or the rapper with a million tattoos. It's like, unless you have a fucking face tattoo, you're not relating to a freaking (laughs) young Wheezy or whatever. Yeah. That's totally true. I'm, I'm in, yeah. Yeah. It's the, like I said, it's, this is a tough scenario because us talking about it and somebody actually listening to it as the factor of our age is going to limit that. 
Um, it's hard. If you hear a 10 year old start giving you fortune cookie wisdom, you're going to be like, okay, okay. But, um, you know, like, what'd you get that off your video game? And then, but you start hearing people that are so involved in it. There are people out there where we say they've aged beyond their years and it's from picking up information. It's from gathering as much knowledge as possible. And that's what the world is. We look at it as a place to go and chase our dream. It is, but it's also a wealth of information and everybody that you come across every single day is a book, is a knowledge source, is an eyes of a story of somebody or a perspective you've never seen before. Yeah. And uh, that's actually one of my motivations coming out of college was uh, I want to be a revolutionist. I want to be a Bob Marley, a Tupac, really making a big, big impact in society and uh, understanding the way that inequality works and the way the government tries to socially control things, that kind of deterred me from that. I'm like, I know I have a big voice. I know I'm really aware of a lot of things. I'm, I'm really good at researching to be aware of what's going on behind the scenes. But when you start making a big uh, societal impact, the government don't like that, you know, and they're, you're a target on them because you're making such uh, society change. And that's one of the things I've always contemplated. I'm like, do I want to go down that route and get involved in that to kind of put my family at risk, put all these different things and aspects in your life at risk when I can just help the youth, you know, really make a difference in the society. And I know a lot of people can relate with that. It's like, you want to get into politics. You want to do this. You want to change uh, laws, this, that. You want to really correct society. But at the end of the day, that's a, that's a big battle within itself. And I believe more people are becoming aware of it and coming together. And I think the biggest thing is social media, really, since everyone's a little more aware of what's going on. But there's almost too much information now. It's information overload where people don't even know what to believe anymore. So you got to kind of, from an educated standpoint, you got to know where you're getting your sources from and make sure that they're credible, you know. But everyone thinks differently. Everyone has different political stances. So... I might believe this, but they might believe that, you know? And so at the end of the day, who's really right? And they might think they're right. You think you're right. And at the end of the day, that, that's what doesn't allow a lot of good conversations because people hold up their pride and they, they don't understand. That's what the government wants, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they, want, they want you to be arguing with each other about politics when they're sitting behind the scenes plotting their next move. And, well, and that's like... Ten years ahead they're they're in the future already you know they have this all down to a system already well it's a lot like what's the answers everyone always gives you like well if you want it to happen then go out and do it you're not going to get anything by sitting down it's like i don't think you realize that that way of thinking is the right way of thinking but it's not capable of our society anymore because of how minuscule of a chance you have only exactly. because trying to go you could put all your money into something you could chase it down but the fact is the way they just want you to fit back into the machine they don't want you standing out and doing that they'll give you all these hopes and dreams of being able to accomplish it but trying to actually turn it into something always ends up in defeat because of the factor is it's just the way 
we're going as society now. It's like they don't want you out of that machine. They don't want you out of that order. So giving people the advice to go out and chase after it, you're giving them advice to go and not make it only because we need to, as a society, be more about promoting each other and helping each other out rather than trying to annihilate or destroy businesses. I mean, the fact is, if you're trying to start a business, it's very, very difficult because of how many giant corporations are already out there that have been dominating the market for so long. And um, the way the world works, I mean, people, we got we to gotta come together more. We got to be more of what I would say human in the eyes of each other. We're more about competition still. I mean, when you look at somebody in the store, even it's like for guys, it, uh, when we like look at each other or something, first thing we do is, can I take this guy if this gets physical? That's the first thing. You're sizing them up immediately, but you do that with everything. You size up people. You care about judgments of everybody. I remember the first day I walked into a store with sweatpants on when I really didn't give a fuck. And that was because I was like, why am I caring about what people think of me if I'm not going to know them later down the road? It's just a minute interaction, but I hold that so damn accountable. And I think that's what holds us back from being ourselves. We're afraid to show that true image when we love hiding behind this mask. I'm like, I tell people with the COVID situation, I'm like, you're complaining about wearing a mask. You've worn a fake mask throughout your whole entire <laughs> life, practically. Like yeah. you're not, you haven't shown your true self. You've only shown it to your true friends or something. And sometimes you even hide it from them because you don't know what they're going to think. I mean, I've seen people go 20 something years, come out of the closet. Finally. I'm like, why were you fucking holding it on? So long? Yeah. Like, what, 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 why'd you care? Like, I don't know. I was just so scared. It's like, but you wasted all that time. Like, you know how much dick you could have gotten 20 years? Like, you know, and it's, it's crazy. And it's, it's, it's good to laugh at, but it's the factor of like, you don't want to leave anything on the table. So if you got something you want to do, don't listen to some motivation to get you out there. Just do it. What's exactly. going to matter. We always talk about, you mentioned Bob Marley, you mentioned Tupac, all these things. I have a joke for this and it goes, is it about what you do when you're born, that speech in the beginning weighing in at eight pounds, his name is whatever, or is it about what they say about you when you're alive? Oh, he donated a lot to charity. I think it's the ending speech. Pay a motherfucker like Morgan Freeman to give you that ending speech because that's what everybody's going to remember. Because they might remember some of your actions that you did, but that way that you're talked about at the ending is the one that sinks in the most. And I look at that, I'm like, do what you want to do. Don't do something because you think like, I hate donating when it comes to getting a, play, a praise for it. When you go to a store and like donate 25 cents, you donate a penny or something, and then they ring a fucking bell or they do something like that. So everybody else in the store knows you donate. I think that's fake. I think that's, I, I, I'll donate on my own, but don't tell anybody I did it like a, like a nameless donation only because you don't, shouldn't be applauded for being human. You shouldn't be applauding for lending a hand or helping out. I see on social media now when people donate, they got to make a post about it. And yeah. I'm like, they're, they're just waiting for that acceptance, that like, yeah. that comment. And I'm like, that is the wrong way. You just yeah, shit on your good deed. Yeah, they're looking for that validation. It's like, they're almost like lonely. They want people to reach out and be like, well, you're a good person because you donated. It's like, don't fucking donate if you haven't even done anything to like help someone you know it's like 
that direct impact is what matters. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people that don't have the time because of their lifestyle and whatnot. So they might feel good because they're donating. And I feel that's okay if they're really doing it out of the genuine of their heart to help a good cause. Um, but the people that do have the time, the real fulfillment comes from volunteering, from really doing work that fulfills your soul. And it's like, okay, I'm really helping this inequality, this person that needs help. And I'm being repaid for that. Even though you're not doing it too, it fulfills your soul. And that's uh, something I was reading the other day, an article, and it says, um, why, what do you look for in a job? Is it joy or fulfillment? And what's the right answer? Do you look for fulfillment or do you look for joy, higher pay? What is it really? How do you balance that? And um, just the overall thing in my life that I've become reassured of is if you're doing something that fulfills you, even if it may not be the highest paying job, you dedicating yourself and really doing the best you can, people will recognize that and you will set yourself aside from those people that don't see it in that perspective. So what what I think I'm saying is you can turn a low paying job into a very high paying job if you really have the dedication, determination and all the kind of attributes that are necessary. Maybe not all jobs, but you, you kind of understand what I'm saying there. I do. And I think when we look at people like, how do I get to that status? How do I get money like Bill Gates? How do I be the next Elon Musk? Just understand one thing of how the world is, is that people boast in public and they cry in private. And what I mean that is we like to show what we have and we like to be cocky in public, but you don't know what that person is experiencing on the other end. I guarantee you they're not as happy as they're trying to show you. If you want to talk about the eyes of a minimalist person, they, um, they don't hold worth in objects because people that buy a lot of objects, buy a lot of things and try and throw money left and right are probably not happy on the inside. And that's why they do that. I think a lot of it comes down to who you are as yourself. I've, listen to people talk about meditation and taking drugs to find that third eye or that new experience on life. And when I listen to it, I'm like, I think if people just took more time for themselves, like you're saying with the 40 hour work week, if we had less work week, we made more money and got to be have more free time, I would say, we're going to be able to find something inside of ourselves, much like having these three months off work where people are looking inside of themselves like you know i always wanted to write a book you know i always wanted to go here i wanted to go there i mean i plan on when traveling is back to its norm normalcy or whatever you want to say i plan on traveling and visiting a lot of the people i podcasted with only because it's something i've been restricting on myself way before this covid thing even happened i didn't want to leave my town because i was afraid of missing the gym now i'm just like i found a correction in myself I found, I understand some things and I've sorted out some things. And I think that's what more people need to do. Not self-care and try and get sleep because they've worked so many hours. Work less hours and enjoy more of who you are as a person. Because what's going to matter when you're 70 years old and you've just spent 40 years working at fucking McDonald's? They're, the 401k is bullshit. It's, yeah. it's not something you want to work for. You need to build yourself up like a sandcastle because in the end, just like a sandcastle, it's not going to last forever. It's going to be taken down. 
So remember, what do you want to leave behind if you want to leave something behind? What do you want to do with your life that is what you want to do? Exactly. It's all about that. Like you said, that Morgan Freeman, that last speech, that's what people are really going to remember. It's like you can do as many things as possible, but what are you leaving behind? It's like what legacy do you have as an individual, you know, that is really going to stay in society and help more people? And I can relate it to your podcast. It's like this is going to be here forever. There's once our times are past, people are still going to see this, you know, and relate with it. I watch podcasts from who knows how long ago before I was even born and they're giving me answers that I'm looking for, you know, and it's helping me adjust my life and set me on that path that I'm going towards. And without all these things, I mean, the way the economy is, life is tough. So you need some, everyone needs some mentorship, some guidance. And I I believe a lot of people are selfish in that way is they think they know it all. They think they don't need any guidance, but I think everyone comes to a self-realization that we all need help, you know. You got to take help. You got to take different perspectives from people to really formulate what you want in the world. And just to go out there and get it, like you said, uh, the main thing is starting something. It's like you could sit on your ass for years thinking about an idea, but it's nothing until you start turning it into a reality and the the point where it starts is that starting point. It's like, okay, here's my plan. I'm going to do this. I just got to get started and generate momentum from there. And especially with the vast amount of information we have and the concept that's out there, like you're saying, is the fact is you are an individual. You do have your own differences between people, but a lot of the issues you might be experiencing are somebody's probably already gone through it and they have insight to it. And that guidance is out there for you to find. So people that are like, I don't have uh, someone to look up to. I don't have a role model. I don't have anybody to relate to. You do, but it's about finding it. And I think the way that the information in the world is working now, it makes it easier for us to be able to find that information. It makes it more valuable to us as well. I mean, I've come across podcasts where I'll be listening and I'm like, wow, I can't believe somebody else is experiencing that in this world. Like it's, it's, like I said, it's information you have to search for. The knowledge for you to become your person and become who you want to be is out there. But understand that the best way to honestly live, in my opinion, is open-mindedness. Understand that you're not going to agree with everybody on this earth and you're not going to get along with everybody on this earth. But it's about taking the time and finding a agreement or a understanding of each other's perspective, understanding someone else's perspective and understanding where someone else is coming from when you make a decision or when why they're making a decision is the one of the most important things. Once you find clarity in people, you'll start finding clarity in yourself. Yeah, and that's very true. You gotta find what's within. And uh, one of the things I was just thinking about actually was uh, the uh, my whole story with my seizure and how it was kind of stress induced and all of that um you asked me if i was planning on starting the therapy with the dogs and whatnot providing service and um well that's actually one of the things i'm really thankful like you said it's all about being positive and uh, i'm a very positive person so i really have learned how to whenever anything negative presents itself I always got to try to find the positive, the silver lining out of that situation. And going through the seizure, that was one of the hardest times in my life, other than when my grandpa passed away and kind of falling into depression, getting into bad things, being at a younger age. And um, so after my seizure, 
seizure, I, I was already a dog breeder when I had this seizure and, um, the, I was in the hospital and they're kind of telling me, we got to monitor you. You got to stay overnight. You got to be here because it can happen anytime. We got to be here if it happens to take care of you right away. And, um, my whole family was around and everything and I didn't have my dogs around me and I really didn't feel comfortable. And in that moment, I realized the true power a pet has, our animals have on providing that stimulus for us, that kind of coping mechanism almost for us because of their unconditional love. And so that's one of the things I took out of that experience is I feel like a much better breeder because of the care and love I give for my dogs more because I give them credit for almost all the credit for saving my life on top of my family being there supportive for me my ex-girlfriend really holding by my side through all that hard time and getting me through the depression the anxiety all those crazy thoughts that you have post-seizure and that's another one of my motives is to really help seizure patients. Um, pretty soon here, I'm going to be getting some profits from my dog business that I'm going to reinvest in uh, getting my accreditation for uh, personal training, but more on the medical side. So I would be working <clears throat> under a physician with seizure patients, and I feel like I have a lot to offer that that category of people that are going through seizures just because I kind of went through that myself and I I understand I battle it was a battle man coming out of that and I'm really thankful to be back mentally healthy and it, I would say it really took a year to reestablish my mentality of I was so motivated so dedicated to what I was doing and then I had this seizure and to be honest my what happened to me, my mindset, it kind of crumbles your whole world down. I'm not going to lie. You're at, I would say I was at a hundred percent motivational level and really working towards my goals. And then from one day to another, you're this depressed, really high anxiety person that can't function <clears throat> by themselves for a couple months. And you have to be treated like a baby and that kills you. It, it makes you fall deeper into depression, which is what happened to me. And it's a mindset to get out of that. And I feel for the people who have no support through those times, because it's only a de-escalation. You're only going downhill, downhill, downhill. Your mind's disintegrating almost. And if you have no people to keep you positive, it's almost impossible to make it out of that, man. Well, I think uh, before your dog freaks out, it sounds like somebody has to go out for a walk for sure. But um, I, I think what is important is a lot of people always talk about compassion. To give compassion to others, you have to have compassion for yourself. Well, sometimes that compassion for yourself is learned through giving compassion to another thing, such as a dog, such as an animal. Learning to love something and let them in can help let yourself into yourself basically i know it sounds corny but for people with ptsd that are afraid to put their guards down and be open to other people having an animal and having a bonding pet or companion that they can love and be open to can help them be more open to people um so the reason why uh people that are usually a bro uh, boyfriend and girlfriend before they have decide to have a kid or something they usually get an animal to see if they can handle that together and that's about learning to love something um, together and then trying to see if they can actually create life on its own and I think that's important and you know I really appreciate you coming out and 
at least coming onto the podcast, explaining your story. I'm going to uh, wrap it up here because I can hear your dog getting pissed off at me, the fact that I'm holding him up from going outside. So is there anything you want to promote, anything at the end here that where people can find your awesome work, man? Um, I would just say follow my Instagram, which is at lfarfan, L-F-A-R-F-A-N 93. And I really, like I said, I don't charge a fee for anything. I really, I'm just establishing myself. And I really am big on putting out awareness on important matters that I'm kind of experienced with in my life. So go out and check that out. I run a, if anyone's interested in any dogs, I breed uh, French Bulldogs. And uh, my page for that is at Activist Bulldogs. And that kind of transitions into my, my mentorship, my will to help the world and all the societal aspects I'd like to. So I chose to title it Activist. And um, my Instagram will link you to my Facebook. So just those three platforms if you want to kind of get to know me a little more and get some advice on i always put out personal training tips so health fitness wellness nutrition um i do a lot of political things so trying to put out positive information that's coming out or even negative information just so people kind of understand what's going on in the world and um a lot of dog pictures you'll see too Can't go wrong with dog pictures. I'll make sure to link everything in the description so people can find your content, man. Sounds good. I appreciate you you letting me come out, and I look forward to speaking with you some more. (laughs) For sure, man. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode.